Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, my co-host is Andy, and I'm not going to make a big move this week, but I promise, I promise you, I will definitely, 100%, consider making a big move maybe next week, which means that I have something in common with one of the players on this week's episode of Survivor Ghost Island. Andy, it's a mystery. Who could I possibly be referencing? It's it is a mystery. Uh, it's not. It's, it's somebody who's going to give us so many fresh takes. Look, I get it. I get why you weren't ready to make a big move against um, the person who you are partnered with, who will so clearly beat you. And that's because I should have beaten you in our most recent challenge. And you know, I mean, it would just be unsporting to take me out then. Yeah, of course we are talking about our girl Laurel, who we knew this was coming. This is not remotely a surprise the writing has been on the wall and it's just the subtext became text this week laurel's just did she did her usual thing oh you know i gotta flip on these guys you know they're gonna win if i get to the end with them i can't beat them blah 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 and then she just sat still did the same thing she's been doing for weeks now yeah and you know some people and, you know, not a lot, but some people were throwing their hands up at it. I'd say not a lot because most people did it last week. And it's just like, uh, do you have any new thoughts on uh, what she did this week? Because I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I, the one revelation for me is that I think up until this week, I had believed that she intended to flip at some point. Now I just think, nah, it was always a lie. She never intended to flip. This isn't something like she just stumbled upon this, like, oh, now in the moment of truth, I can't do it. Like, I think she just never wanted to vote out the people that she liked. Like, she did come there to make friends, and she's made those friends, and she's not going to turn on them. It's the, like, Occam's razor of answers. Like, that is why she's so inert. She's not going to take out the people that she needs to to win because she likes them. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, part of the frustration for people is she's the person saying that she's considering it, right? We get confessionals of her uh, considering it. Um, I think that's just because that's how, you know, confessionals work. Now, producers get them to talk in hypotheticals, and then we'll use that. I agree. I don't think she has ever intended on flipping with them. I think that this is the way she is enjoying her survivor experience. And what's uh, unusual for her versus, you know, other people who have been, uh, just god awful at Survivor, which she undoubtedly is one of them, is she's gotten so many chances. In fact, her chances aren't even over. She could still do it. She's not going to. Let's not even pretend. But like, it's un, it's, it's just unusual. It's unlikely. Like, what is more mathematically unlikely that every little random swap, which this season introduced like two extra ones, would, uh, result in one, uh, of grouping of original people being in a minority every time? Or that one person would have had a chance to, uh, take out the power players of the game in, like, every single post-merge vote. But I guess, no, save the Jenna one, obviously. Yeah, she's had a string here where she could have done it. And she kept on, you know, seemingly kicking the can to make the big move later. It was just, it was never coming. And it, we that was the, the head fake that we we all bit on. Like, oh, she's going to she's gonna try it. She's going to try it. Nah, she she was never ever going to try it. And I mean, it's, it's disappointing 
more because I think she seems like an intelligent person. She seems like someone that understands that she needs to do this, whereas we know nothing about Angela and Sebastian, who are also not flipping. They don't seem like they'd be good survivor players. Laurel did seem like she would be one, and she's not. She's really, really bad at it. And, yeah, she's just handing the victory to someone else. Two things. Uh, I, I, some people have been, I think, fairly uh, bringing up, like, why aren't we uh, holding Sebastian or Angela to the same standard? And, uh, you know, your point with sta- is one worth discussing that uh, because we expect nothing out of them. But also, they haven't had as many good opportunities to flip as Laurel has. They ha- were in what they thought was an actual majority position, and they would have had to flip to people that they did not previously work with that's the unique thing about laurel there's been many times when she could have flipped and it still would have been a good situation for her sometimes a great situation sometimes only an okay one um i think a lot of people who have been defending her and weirdly maybe still kind of defending her are all like well if she did that then this bad thing would happen which goddamn stop doing that okay say just, just it all takes this one little modification if she did that maybe this thing would happen because i'm tired of people always acting like the bad thing is certain and the good thing isn't, but moreover, uh, they're saying it's like, well, if she, you know, this thing could have happened. Look, we're not looking for her to flip to a perfect situation. You know, sometimes a good situation is as good as you can get. Sometimes an okay situation is better because the situation she's in is not perfect either. But the other thing that I think, you know, why do we expect more? You got into because she, you know, seemed like a good survivor player. And that brings me to the thing I actually want to discuss about Laurel. Um, Maybe she was never a good Survivor player. And shout out to everybody who at like midseason was saying that Laurel was playing one of, if not, and I swear to God I saw this take a lot, the best game out there. Where are you at, folks? Yeah, One thing that you hit on there that I wanted to add a little bit more to is that she she has a known outcome, right? Like she understands, at least if you believe that she's telling you the truth in the confessional, she has a known outcome where she knows she will lose final tribal council against these guys, right? And so the unknown is always more appealing because the known is a loss and the goal is to win. So flipping to the unknown might also be a loss, but you were going to lose anyway. It doesn't really matter, you know, if you're coming in fourth or you're coming in third or fifth, whatever it might be, you're going from a loss to a loss. But maybe, just maybe, you flipped and certain things broke ways that you may or may not have expected, and then you've got a shot to win. Like, she's intentionally avoiding taking the shot to win, which makes for a really, really bad survivor player. Especially because she recognizes that she's avoiding taking the shot to win. Laurel is the basketball player who waits until the buzzer sounds to fire the half-court heave because she doesn't want to screw up her field goal percentage. Only, she's doing it at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, obviously I was taunting people a while ago, but it, it does get into something I want to talk about, and I am actually going to try to do it without taunting people. Uh, you can uh, take a moment right now and pause the podcast and, you know, quickly bed amongst yourselves or just with yourselves. Yeah, there's a first time for everything. Maybe it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. How likely it is, you know, rated right, right on a scale of, you know, how likely, you know, you know, say Laurel is going to flip on people versus Dominic winning. That could be your scale. Um, 
Yeah, a lot of people were saying she was playing one of the best games out there. And yes, a lot of people were saying she was playing the best game at like the midway point of the season. And we weren't some of those people. I especially was not some of those people because we ran through the, you know, in or out on people. And I said I was out on her. You were like lukewarm in. So I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think either of us were like, yeah, she's playing awesome. Like everybody else was, you know, just, you know, desperate to heap praise. And I don't, I'm not saying this completely to pat myself on the back, but more to make a point in that when we were not excited about Laurel, when we were questioning, like, is she really playing that great a game so far? I know I took some heat for that. And this has been happening a bit this uh, of late. And that's fine. Challenge me. I enjoy it. But what's been, you know, becoming a bit of an, an annoyance for me. And then, yeah, comments below and feel free to list all the ways I know you because I do and I know it. And, you know, I sometimes do it on purpose and maybe I shouldn't. Um, your faves aren't my faves and I'm not beholden to your faves. And if you think that I'm picking on somebody, it's probably because you like them. Whereas really, I'm a dick about everybody. And my whole stance is I want, I will wait till I see it before I say it. And, you know, obviously a lot of that is me, of course, looking for evidence to support my own arguments, but that's the part of the point. I know I'm going to be making arguments that people will try to hold me accountable for, so I kind of want a little bit of evidence on my side. So no, I wasn't being extra mean to Laurel. I was saying, hey, let's just wait. And now... Barely anybody's still defending her, right? So, like, everybody who, who, like, you know, before she had really done much of anything other than stay quiet and let other people do stuff was like, oh, my God, she's amazing. She's amazing. You guys are jerks for not noticing. And it was kind of like, oh, no, man, you're right. I don't like her. Before, just, just, look, you can like Survivor the way you want to like Survivor. I'm not telling you to not pick your faves however you want to do it, whether it's because they gave a great preseason interview, because you like the way they look, because they remind you of yourself, because they they fit a survival role that you particularly like. Sure, of course. You can pick them for whatever you want, but don't hold me to the same standard. That's not why I'm making my judgments and my analysis is because I want you know my faves to look good and the people I don't like to look bad. I decide who I like and who I don't like based on how I'm viewing Survivor at that moment. Yeah, I've done both. I mean, I've gone into seasons with favorites and just rooted for my favorites. I don't think, other than maybe occasionally, ironically for the lols, I've uh, <laughs> tried to build the case that they were better players than they were. Um, generally, the people that I've been championing are just people that I find entertaining Donathan was going to be one of those people. He's been slightly less entertaining than I expected. Um, I, I really thought he'd be more of a character than he has been in this season. Slightly better player than I expected. But I mean, I think at the very least, I, I came in with some preconceived notions of who I would like, but I always leave room for letting that change during the season. Like I, I think I suggested Chris Noble might be a Drew Christie level douche, which was a wild underestimation of what kind of level douche he would be. He was a much more amazing douchebag than uh, Drew Christie could ever be. Like, I think at some point in watching the show, you have to abandon the rooting interests that you came in with if they're not working out the way you expected. Like, there's been certain people that I latched onto right away, and I'm like, this person is amazing, and I was right the whole time. Like, Michaela's one. 
I liked Michaela immediately, liked her every time she was on the show. But there's other times that, you know, you see two minutes of somebody and it seems like they might be great. Get a little more exposure to them. Not so great. See, and I don't even, like, you don't have to change. If that's what you want to do, you do you. That's cool. And I, I sincerely mean that. I'm not just saying that because it's the thing you should say before, you know, you make your jerkish points. Because I obviously pull that trick off all the time. No, you do you. But that's not me. And, you know, to be like, why are you picking on X? It's probably because there's a reason. Or at the very least, why aren't you praising X? Because I can't watch the same hypothetical version of the show that you apparently are. And, like, this isn't the first time this has happened. Last season, obviously, I took, and frankly, I invited tons of heat on Chrissy early in the game. Most of those people turned around at the end. Because they received more evidence. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking evidence and I'm making my judgments based on the way I am viewing Survivor, which isn't always right, but it's way I'm viewing it, not the way I necessarily want to view it. And that's fine. If that's not the way you want to do it, some of my favorite comments from people were like, yeah, yeah, but I'm just biased. That's just the person I'm rooting for. And so I don't care. Fun. Great. But it's more the people that like try to say that I'm, you know, being pickheaded. And frankly, I get pickheaded about my opinions of the game, less so on players. But like that I'm attacking their favorites and thus an extension them when it's just like, nah, I'm just not a fan like you are. And this, you know, was true with Laurel. It was true with Chrissy. It was true with Tyler. Um, which you and I, and, you know, I think, you know, to your credit, you first, we're all like, man, what are you guys seeing? It's not there. And then, of course, you were even more. It's like, no, no, it's not even not there. It's negative there. Yeah, I was, uh, in fairness, I was already very predisposed to being biased against Tyler just based on, like, the first episode or two of that season. Yeah, and yeah, I picked those three out, not just because they're the ones I'm right, because I'm not always right. Uh, there's this winner called Michelle that I might have been a tad wrong on a bit, although eh, maybe not that wrong on. Um, but I picked those three out because I think one of the things that's you know, separated all of them is people really like them when they could invent stuff about them. And then as more things were revealed, not so much. So, look. Like it how you want to like it, but if I'm not uh, enamored with your fave, it might not be that I'm a bigger jerk this season. It's just because I don't like who you like. But maybe I am a bigger jerk. Undisputable. Uh, one thing that you do tend to do, though, is get into the big front runner crowd, and uh, or you you tend to go after the front runners. This season, there's some really obvious front runners. And do you think like Wendell and Dominic are just landing on a little too thick? Is it like? Are they making it look too easy, like too entitled to their pending victory? Uh, yeah, I kind of got that sense in the way they were dealing with Donathan. Now, there's at some point that, yeah, obviously we like Donathan, so maybe I'm a little more protective. Or that his character, both being an underdog and being, you know, kind of a, a smaller dude, invites some level of protectiveness. But, like... Yeah, I understand being upset at Donathan, you know, trying to shake things up to get rid of you. Yeah, that's a natural response. But there was something, like, imperious about it. Like, how how dare he? What is he doing? That it was just like, guys, you should be, this should be happening. You're not entitled to this win. You should be expecting this. And then absolutely strike against it, get rid of the person that's doing this. But the way they acted, just like, you know, how dare he felt a little, yeah. a little bit much. Yeah, it, it to me, it felt laid on a little too thick that they were acting offended that he even would 
disdained to suggest that he wasn't cool with being fourth or third place this season. I mean, just at a certain point, you recognize, regardless of how much you want to win the game, other people might want to win the game too. So it shouldn't make you quite that upset. And, and they're, they're acting like, Oh my God, he's going crazy. What is this guy? Like he's, he's a loose cannon. Like, yeah, he's, he's trying to win. And actually we should probably do a little bit of talking about Donathan because Donathan has been another big point of discussion this week. He, I guess this was his version of trying to shake up the current order. Um, he did a lot of different things. But at a certain point, I think he just realized Laurel was never going to be the ally that he had hoped that she would be. He's He had the wrong read on her. He's got to do something. I don't know that you can necessarily say he did the best possible thing, but he had to do something because it clearly was just not going to happen with Laurel. And the fact that Dominic and Wendell acted as though it was the most egregious wrong they could ever see on Survivor was a little over the top for me. Yeah, they were like, how dare he mess up a good thing? Your good thing, not his good thing. Uh, and again, I'm cool with you saying, no, no, we got to nip this in the bud and get rid of him. Of course, yes, that's what you do. You're trying to win. But, you know, just like the, the, how, you know, pissed off it made them was, yeah, a bit much. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Donaldson and what he tried to do this week, I admire um, the the desire to do something. Obviously, you know, what I've been railing against forever now is the lack of desire from so many other players. I understand the frustration. I do not like the attempt. Uh, and I think what uh, Donathan uh, did this week, probably, and this is a good lesson to all of us, and I do mean us, who uh, converse a lot on the internet, um, there are limits to what passive aggression can get you in this life. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's basically he was just sulking openly, right? Like, I don't know if that's a strong tactic. Yeah, I think, you know, I understand why it happened, but he definitely screwed up by making it a little too obvious to Dominic and Wendell that he was no longer cool with their situation. Like, I get that it's probably very difficult to do so, but you maybe need to just keep that to yourself and try to do some things behind the scenes. At the same time, like, I get it that his his one means for doing things behind the scenes to plot against them had been Laurel and she was clearly not going to be on board. And so thus he's, he's stuck with Kellen who was more than willing to work with him, but then he's got Angela and Sebastian, Sebastian who is weirdly committed to both Wendell and Dominic and Angela who is a blank slate and apparently is still with Wendell and Dominic judging by the votes that we saw tonight or this episode. So he's kind of backed into a corner. He screwed up, but I, I mean, I get it. I don't think there's anything he could have necessarily done that would have helped him more in this situation. Yeah, I don't think he particularly hurt his situation other than, you know, bumping up his boot order potentially. I mean, he didn't go home. He could have, but he didn't. And I don't think it was particularly close. I think Kellen was always the preferred target. Um, but, you know, they did the, you know, the cautious thing. In case there's a third idol, because there certainly could be one. Um, and that was, an, that was another thing that could have happened, but didn't, that just was fortunate in terms of Wendell and Dominic. They didn't send him, meaning they didn't send Donathan to Ghost Island, where Donathan could have gotten an advantage that might have actually been useful to him. Instead, it ended up in Sebastian's hands, which was probably 
yet another of many tip-offs to Donathan that this was not him in a solid and secure place. Like, he's clearly being bumped down the totem pole. Yeah, so I, I do want to make clear, especially after a big rant of like, hey, I don't root for people like you do. I'm not letting him off a hook. This was just a bad play, but it don't matter. You know, he, his chances of winning, I don't believe, were affected one way or another. And I don't care if someone finishes sixth or fifth. I know there's a lot of keyboard warriors right now that'd be like, hey, $10,000 is a lot of money. And look, I mean, it's a lot of money in my life. I could pay some bills with that. But I don't want people on my television show acting like that's the reason that they're doing moves. And also, like, I, it could be. It could be a reason, a, a decision, uh, a factor in a lot of decisions that we don't know about, but you don't hear about that a lot. That is like, I, I knew I was going to lose, but I really needed that 20 K. Um, so yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. Bravo Laurel for protecting your, you know, small investment after before taxes. Um, but, you know, so yes, bad play by Donathan, but I think it does circle back to Wendell and Dominic in that, like, the way they're acting should have consequences. The way it they should. And it it reminds me of we had the discussion when Chelsea went home, like, was she the right vote? Sure, because it doesn't matter. I, sort of the same thing with Donathan here. Like, did he do the wrong thing? Yeah, but it does it really matter. You know, and it's I Dominic and Wendell just seem to think that they are destined to get to the final three. And there's certainly no evidence that they can see around them or that we can see on our TV screens that would suggest otherwise. Yeah, like they're so comfortable. The arrogance of their situation is just shining through. It's begging for some level of comeuppance that is not coming. It's not coming. You know, and it's like, like Robin Amber worked this secure in their position in the game. Like they kept working angles and stuff. And maybe they are too. We're just not seeing in the edit, but like, like I think. The most telling thing was after the reward, which of course they picked each other to be their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you know, so I, 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 they might not have even been the first picks because I think Kellen might have picked Sebastian first, which I think is actually a defensible decision, both that he is, you know, athletic and that she needed to win him over to have a chance to continue in the game. Uh, but yeah, after that, they, they have to make their choices of who to bring and who to send. And, they both. They don't even like put on the act. Like, oh god, this is a really hard decision. They're like, don't worry, Jeff. Like, Jeff is trying to help them with that. Yep. They're like, no, 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 we got this. And they don't even have to consult each other. Like, that's how closely these two are aligned against all of y'all. Is that it was a hive mind decision. They were just like, yep, yeah. And they were the right decisions. The absolute right decisions. You keep Laurel as close to you as possible mm-hmm. because she's the only thing that can submarine your game at this point. And you keep sebastian away from kellen basically that's the math that's what happened but that they didn't even like pretend like oh god guys like we're all in this together and you're actually my secret final two partner no no we're a hive mind you we all see it we all know you see it but eh, what you gonna do yeah i I love that there's always this talk about like oh you can't let a power couple stick together like they are more openly a couple in every sense other than a romantic sense than most couples we've actually seen on the show like they're so committed to each other they're picking each other to be on this challenge they like are so clearly in sync as far as their plans like it's obvious to everyone there's no 
subterfuge going on here. It's it's all like surface level stuff. You can see how close they are. And we've seen in confessionals that other people understand how close they are and that those two are both in the driver's seat to win. So it just makes it all the more maddening that everyone recognizes it, probably including Dominic and Wendell, and no one's going to do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, at what point in the fan cycle, like, do we think maybe a year or two years out, does, like, Reddit start talking about how this season was cast to help Dominic and Wendell win? <laughs> uh, I'd give it, like, two more weeks. Because we have not seen people roll over to this degree since the season, and everybody likes to talk about that. Although I will posit that I think Rob actually had to work a little harder for it. Oh. It, it might be. I mean... Maybe you make the case that uh Philip was laying down for him. Yeah, is Laurel the Philip of this season? Because, and I know uh, I've heard that this take was taken away from me, and I was saving it for the finale. Um, I think Lat Ten played a more defensible game than what Laurel has been doing so far. Yeah, and I, I will vouch for you. You actually did spout that take in our Slack chat. Hello, hello Christopher. Oh, we've got some guns. Uh, guns in Canada? What? what? I'm going to call <laughs> Prime Minister Trudeau right now. Hi, Christopher, did you want to say anything to John? How are you, John? Good. How are you, buddy? Good. Long time no speak. Uh, I, I'm i going to go. Hello. I'm going to go now. Okay. You're going to go now? <laughs> Sounds great. Did you want to catch say, you on the flip side? Did you want to say good night? Good night, John. Good night. And now I have another one here that nobody can see. And he's wearing his shirt backwards because that's what he does. Totally crossed out. Uh, Alex, is there anything you wanted to say? Good night, Mark. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Good night. Bye. Well played. I'm tricking you. Yes, you were very tricky. Could you go now, please? Um, I, I, We should probably get back to the episode at hand here. Wendell. If we have to. Yeah, I know. Uh, Wendell actually should have could have maybe won that immunity challenge and it caused a fun minor controversy both on the show and on the survivor internet as to whether wendell should have won is there, should there be instant replay now to find out if wendell actually won that challenge no no he didn't complete the task now i'm surprised to learn if that is in fact true that it wasn't an official rule explained to people when you finish your puzzle, you call for Jeff because everyone's done it in the since the history of like ever with this show. There's never been somebody who finished a puzzle or, or a task, anything that like requires confirmation of completion without being like, yeah, or Jeff, like making some kind of audible noise that he didn't do it is insane to me. And I'm not really judging him for it. It was clearly some kind of brain cramp or if you really want to get, you know, poetic or edit reading a symbol of how comfortable he is that he just thought he could stunt for a second instead of saying something. But no, you, yeah, well, as Jeff said, he doesn't know that you're done until you tell him. It looks like maybe you're looking, it did look like he might be looking it over again. But moreover, the judge is over there. You got to tell him. You got to call it. Yeah. Um, and perhaps more importantly, it didn't matter. <laughs> like, no one is apparently interested in voting Wendell out anyway. So maybe he just desperately wanted to have a necklace to wear to that tribal council. But yeah, it, it, he's sitting pretty. No one's coming after Wendell. 
No, but like, do you think that he? Had, I mean, and again, he didn't even push it that hard. He accepted it. Um, but do you think he had a case that, like, you know, he should have been the winner? I, I mean, I he made sure to get his tantrum in. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I think it might be one of those things where it actually isn't verbalized that that's what you're supposed to do. But everyone who has seen previous seasons of Survivor, which you have to do before you go out there, they make you watch at least one, has seen that that's what you do in those challenges. So, and even people who had never seen it, that's what they do. Like, it's just, it's just never happened. You can be like an idiot ass Dan Foley and not actually have the puzzle done, and you're still going to call to Jeff to try and win. It's just, it's mind blowing. So, yeah, it's possible that it hadn't been verbalized or, you know, stated that that's how it works. I will say it will never be the case again that it is not stated that that was the case. Uh, because it's just like, well, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, really? Yeah. That the only way that this challenge ends is if Jeff comes over from the position he's at to check if you've won or not. And I think there is a rule and, and this one I could be completely wrong. All the former survivors listening and commenting send us in. Uh the answer is of course none of them. Um hmm. that when somebody calls for that check, people have to stop because it kind of seems like people do. It does. Uh, we should probably move off this topic now and get onto something else that's also inconsequential. Fake idols. One of your favorite topics. How about those fake idols, though? They once again got brought up this week. And I feel like Dominic must have somehow, like, infected Wendell in some way by just, like, osmosis. The virus transferred over to Wendell because... Wendell's plan, I think, was to wear a fake immunity idol before he played his real one. Was that is that how it was going to go down? I mean, I guess I mean, that's all I can think of is that yeah, he's like, well, I have this idol, but I want to keep it, so I will show people a fake idol, and I fail to see the material difference. Of showing somebody your real idol or your fake idol, if you're intending to not play it, it's the same. If you're going to, and, you know, obviously the only way you can truly receive protection from an idol is to play one. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna need somebody far smarter than me, you know, the, the third pick in the galaxy brain meme to explain what a fake idol achieves at this stage of the game that his actual idol does not achieve. I, I really, you know, I'll chalk it up to a month and a half or a month, a month and a week of very little food and sleep because I, I just, I don't know where that plan comes from other than, like I said, maybe Dominic planted that seed in his head. No, this is a great plan. Trust me. It totally worked on Chris Noble. And that could be a little fair. I mean, they're playing with morons that seem to let them do anything. There's a chance that maybe they believe that that fake idol thing is one of the keys to their success. Like, man, that trick works so good. Let's run it back. Like, nobody's made a move against us because I, you know, faked them out with a fake idol and then told them it was fake so that they didn't have to worry about a real idol. And then, but I had this idol and then it was fake. And then I told everybody. Yeah, I love that they think that that's 4D chess. Like, yeah, I'm working on other levels, baby. And here's the other thing. Maybe they're just so bored at how easy this is. 
<laughs> just trying to invent new challenges for themselves. Yeah, like, you know, Larry Bird deciding in, you know, I think, what is it, Portland or Utah, that he's just going to shoot left-handed that night and then drop in, like, 37. Maybe that's what they're doing with this fake idol stuff. Now, one thing I do want to say about fake idols, um, they don't bother me. I enjoy talking about how stupid they are and how stupid you are for believing they have a purpose. It's not me that's being trolled. It's you. Um, One thing that you mentioned in there was the incompetent people that they're playing against, which is a great transition to talking about uh Kellen, who was the one that went home this week. We can finally discuss who got booted in this episode. Um, what, what was your take on Kellen? Well, one thing that seems to be incongruent is that she looked like a tire fire to us. And by us, I, I specifically mean you and I, but I think the audience uh, by the end as well. Um, but even in this episode, people were talking about how she was still some level of threat. Now, it's important to note she wasn't as big a threat as, say, Chelsea last week. So let's not go overboard here. <laughs> but um, what do you make? And, you know, Desiree targeted her first. Uh, apparently, there's been some good things said about her in exit interviews, which I don't have a problem believing. I think she's probably a nice person and then often can, and that wasn't really responsible for a lot of their failures post-merge. Um, what do you make of that? You know, because I don't think she played well. Uh, yeah, she tried to give us an epic pagonging, which is always going to move up the rankings of players that I enjoy. Um, she was pretty understandably paranoid at times, but also she completely blew it on that five person merge vote, uh, in, in ways that we listed when it happened. Um, and I just, she was constantly indecisive, super paranoid. I, I kind of get the paranoia because you should have some degree of it when playing on this show, but I think maybe she was more like a well liked Hannah. Like, I, I think she, potentially had a shot if she made actual moves that got her to the end i think she had some level of friendship slash connection with certain people might have worked out for her uh but yeah generally a lot of mistakes in that game yeah and i'd also caution against the exits for the reasons i was hinting at but more clearly uh, you know, people saying, well, this juror actually sounded like they might have voted for her. Yeah, because they got to hang with her in the jury house after they knew she wasn't winning. You know, like in the game, do you think like Michael is all that jazz to, to vote for Kellen or, you know, Jenna or whatever? I don't know. And I think, you know, her fault, fault was, um, I don't know that she had an effective plan B other than, uh, let's get rid of all the Malolos and that'll work out for me. And maybe it would have worked out all right for her. Um, but it actually that's not even true because when the chips got down to it and it was mostly Navidis, she didn't have enough of them. You know, like I think Angela voted for her tonight. Sebastian didn't really fight for her survival and was on the other side of the vote with her last week. You know, so it's like, eh, I don't even know if her Navidi strong plan had it gone the way she wanted to would have worked out any differently than this one. But moreover, she was completely outmaneuvered by Wendell and Dominic, who did the right thing. Sure, yeah, okay, if it goes Navidi, it goes Navidi, that'll be great. But I'm going to come up with some other ideas. I'm going to find votes that are mine that aren't yours. Yeah, and I think she, just as a character, is probably in the top half of the women on this cast, at least. But that's more of a condemnation of the women that were cast on this season than any sort of real praise for Kellen. Um, 
she was fine on TV. She wasn't great. She wasn't bad. Um, it's just, uh, her game. I mean, it, it, it makes sense on a lot of levels, like the ways that she screwed up. But at the same time, you know, she choked multiple times. Gotta be a better, better way to say that. <laughs> yeah. I actually think, you know, she was a, positive contributor to the season in the sense that, yeah, she was a definable character. Uh, I think some of her spasticness actually brought some interest to it. And, you know, her falling apart could have led to a few interesting moments if, you know, Laurel wasn't determined to prevent that from happening. I think a lot of people fault her for ruining the early part of the game with her Navidi strong and, you know, targeting Malolos. But, I mean, yeah, of course. If the swap is going to hand you that, don't throw it away. What you need to do, though, is, like, not just be so obvious about it. Not be, you know, and we talked about this, like, what, the second episode. And, again, took some heat on it because she was their fave and not our fave. Um... But the way she was just like, well, I really like you guys, but I'll never work with you. That's dumb. Voting them out because they're down in numbers, that's smart. Uh, her not playing, uh, risking her vote was smart. But you got to kind of work more social connections, the social connections that she pretended she had. And maybe she had to some degree, but never wanted to activate them once things look like they might be useful to do so. Like, say, voting with Michael to get rid of Wendell. Uh, you gotta have something else to fall back on because you can't, uh, count on your plan A A, working out, because the second swap could have just doomed it, or B, being everybody else's plan A. We, we actually have another reason to talk about Kellen this week because it's time for some relic relitigation. We got to see Kellen's misplayed vote only a couple episodes after it was misplayed. I love the quick callback here. I was actually impressed by that. Did you enjoy that? I, I practically applauded it because when the plan for this season was announced, my hope was somebody would screw something up so badly that their their own thing would become a thing, you know. And we didn't know relics or whatever at the time, but it's like I hope somebody gets mentioned from that very season. And yeah, I thought of that I think on the heels of, you know, healers, hustlers, whatever it was, because and I don't even think it was healers, hustlers. Uh because that season had so many mistakes. It's like I want somebody to screw up so bad that their own screw up is referenced in this season. So I was really excited about it. Now of course in in true uh uh ghost island fashion, it wasn't actually that epic a screw up that she made, nope. you know? Like Chris Noble's idol would have been the epic screw up, but I understand that they haven't had time to do that. But yes, no, I love it. I love yeah, of course I want them to troll people. Yeah, I mean, it actually would have been even funnier if Kellen was the one that got it again, just to hear her reading the note and being like, oh, damn it. Damn it, John. <laughs> you just pointed out another way, uh, another potential avenue from entertainment that was ripped away from us. Now I hate it. Oh, that would have been amazing because no matter who went, they were getting that one. Some people were like, what was in the other canisters? It was keys, guys. It was keys. Yeah. Keys to open up the exact same advantage that Sebastian got. And it would have been fun to have Kellen reading that as they showed footage of Kellen blowing it. And Kellen being like, oh, Kellen screwed. Oh, man, you guys. <laughs> oh, man. God damn. I'm more, we missed it. I might be more disappointed than this than Stephen Fishback scooping me on the Natalie Tenerelli part. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think at the time we even discussed her... her uh, her double vote that was a vote steal, but didn't steal votes. Um, yeah, I mean, I get the logic in playing it, you know, keep yourself safe. There's small amounts of numbers, whatever. 
she blew it in hindsight, and I think it was pretty obvious even to us then. Yeah. Vote with Michael, because you're clearly not the target. He could have taken someone out. I think she was just still, much like Laurel, not yet willing to turn on Wendell and Dominic. And that's to her detriment, because now she's screwed. Because doing something is risky, and doing nothing uh, ha- carries no risk. It's the, the higher percentage odds that if you just wait, good things will happen. Right. Well, the risk for her at the time was that if she turned on them, you know, she's left with the unknowns. There's still Michael left, and Wendell, or I'm sorry, and Laurel and Donathan aren't on her side, and what could happen, and blah, blah, blah. Well, now we see what happens when she sticks to this plan. It was your one shot, and you blew it! But no, no, it's only if you ever do something and fail. That's the only thing that we can criticize. Doing nothing and failing is just, eh, what are you going to do? At least she got 20000 extra dollars. All right, so uh, the other thing that happened this uh, week um, is that we got the cultural exchange. The reward was going uh, to probably a place in Fiji that's sick of seeing survivors at this point and, you know, giving them some stuff. And this comes on the heels of the family visit last week, and I would pause it, and then obviously you and I are tough judges for this because we probably don't generally care anyway, but both kind of fell flat in comparison to older moments, and I know this has been a discussion point amongst some people on Survivor that, like, remember when the cultural moments really meant something? Remember, like, Africa when it changed Ethan's life or whatever? What's wrong with Survivor is it's not like that anymore. What do you think? I do think the Ethan and Lex take a goat to the village thing was definitely more memorable. Uh, I think for me, I don't think it's a universal opinion that the family visit wasn't well received this season <laughs> compared to usual. Um, and the family visit, no matter how well it's received by us, is never going away. I think just in general, at least from my perspective, it's the lack of interest in this cast that has affected how I've enjoyed these rewards and the family visit. Just, I don't know that I really cared to see them go and distribute the gifts. Wasn't that exciting to watch. I think the last time that I remember seeing one of those that I was like, Oh, this was fun was, um, Kagayan with Wu, like doing tricks and dribbling the basketball and entertaining kids. Sure. That was a fun little distraction for two or three minutes, but in general, I don't really need to see these things. Here's my take on why these things might not feel fresh. Shockingly, things that have been repeated on television dozens of times will cease to feel fresh after a while. It's a bold take. Yeah, we're in season 36. Yeah, some of it's going to start to feel rote after a while, and maybe the show realizing this will yada yada it a bit. And I know people were like, no, Survivor needs to go back to that. I miss that. I believe that you miss that. But I would actually say that this argument of how this shows that Survivor has changed for the worse is actually an argument of why Survivor needs to change. Because you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting it to be entertaining. And yes, Survivor is not the show it used to be. Not yeah, remotely. It is far more focused on strategy and gamesmanship and, you know, twists, even if you want, than it was on the personal content before. But I would argue that it has to be. And why is because the game and the changing is the one thing that can still be different. It's the one thing that can renew itself. Whereas it's archetypes, man. It's the same people over and over again. It's not going to feel as fresh to you now as it felt then. And 
one of the things I would point to is other reality television. Slice of life reality television tends to be really popular for a while and then vanish, just ceases to exist. Think of like some of the top TLC shows back when TLC was a thing that like showed reality John shows and Kate that were plus eight. Yeah, about people. They run so hot and then they just gone because after a while we get tired of those stories even if it's different people remember when like we you know the, weekly they would you know bring out the wire waterworks of like fakely giving people new houses that they actually couldn't afford once you were done with that was so huge and then nobody cared undercover boss we're gonna get to know people and you know make america love bosses because that's the thing we need to do in this oligarchy and then it ceased to exist the thing that allows these shows to remain on is competition because then they become sports then they become game shows jeopardy will run forever survivor could run forever because the game renews itself whereas the personal interrelationship storylines sometimes they can be refreshed when you get a person when you get somebody new that like just demands to be on television that's unique that has a real story but that's hard man it just can't happen every time and people want to point that as a failure of casting when really it's just like it's so lucky when they get that person so yeah i it is different and it's going to be different because the only way it gets to 36 seasons is if it focuses on the renewable elements of it i was gonna be very upset that you uh tried to tarnish the good name of capitalism in there but then later you uh praised competition so i was back on board <laughs> i was a whirlwind a real roller yeah. coaster uh so speaking of looking back at past seasons and one last point that's been brought up a lot um is that we have two and seemingly only two viable winner candidates at this point going into the finale and some people are complaining that that's that's less than usual. A season is more usually more of a toss-up at this point, blah, blah, blah. Does it feel like that way to do you? Do you, do you feel like normally it's more wide open with one episode to go? No! We have two, like, legit candidates. That's actually special. You know, so let's, let's run it back for a bit, all right? So uh, last season, you know, HHH, whatever that stood for. How many people did we ha did you believe had a chance to go? And actually, for not even just you, how many people do you think people believed had a chance to win that season going into the finale? I, if you were being super generous, you could say three. Yeah, I say two. Ben or Devin, three. Yes. If you were insane and you thought Chrissy, exactly. You were dead and then that's the thing is is even being if you're saying three, you're saying that it's like ninety percent these two or ten percent Chrissy. Yeah. Now, obviously, there was a lot of people that convinced themselves it was Chrissy and still to this day think it was Chrissy. Those people were just weird, man. You were just plain wrong. The show could not have been more obvious that it wasn't Chrissy. Uh, all right. So game changers. What did you how many you got there? I mean, at best, you're going to. Yeah. If you were still believing in the early Culpepper edit, you can go to two. But really, it was Sarah. All right, yes. and Millennials versus Gen X, this is the unusual one, in which yep. there were three or four, if you're Colin Stone, and you believe the edit was tailored specifically to fool you. So oh, you have see, and this is, for me, I would say there was one, and he didn't win. Now, I still think you were like, yeah, if Jay can win immunities, he could win. And I think we were still like, I guess Adam can still win. We'll look bad if he does, but Adam could still win. Yeah, I mean, I think we wrote Adam off, and then by the time we got to the finale, you're we like, oh, yeah, actually, maybe still Adam. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I picked Adam to win only because I picked him at the start of the season and it was going to win me our predictions pool if I picked Adam again. So it was, it wasn't that I thought he would win. I legitimately thought David was going to win that season, but maybe you stretch and you say there's two or three in there. I, I think for me, it was like David 90% field 10%. All right. So co wrong. I think there was two, and ironically, maybe not the actual winner of those two. Uh, two or three, right? I, I Here's would the thing. Say, I don't think we actually thought Sydney was, had a real chance to win that season going to the No, league. I think it was, it was really, it was one, and it was only two if you were on the Survivor Internet. Like, if you were just watching this as a casual viewer of the show, you thought Aubrey was winning that season. Like, I don't think you suspected Michelle was going to win. Unless you were part of, you know, Survivor Twitter, you were on Reddit, you were on our site, you were somewhere where you would be informed of the growing buzz that Michelle was going to win this season. Yeah, because I think I, I distinctly remember thinking like Sydney disappears too often in the edit, which isn't always necessarily a like, winner doesn't have to be omnipresent, but she was otherwise so entertaining a character that you wouldn't do that to a winner. So yeah, right. I agree. I think, yeah. It's like, if you're uh, of a, a certain audience, it was two, but for real, it was one. Cambodia, I think, is two. I think it was just Jeremy and Wentworth at that point. Uh, if you wanted to be super generous, you could say Spencer was a third. But again, it, it, that's another situation where you have a clear leader, and I think Jeremy was that person. And then there was a gap, and then it was like Kelly, and then another gap, and then Spencer. Yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, exactly. Jeremy felt full-on winner, but Wentworth's like, well, she's a dark horse. I'm not ruling her out. Uh, Worlds Apart, there was only one. Oh, and and only one from pretty early on. <laughs> yeah, uh, San Juan del Sur, I'd say there was one, maybe two, if you believed in Keith. Yeah, I, I would say that, unfortunately, going into that finale, I believed Keith might be a viable winner candidate, which was only going to make me hate the season more. But in hindsight, probably would have made me appreciate the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kagian, there was two. Yeah, definitely. Everyone was arguing with us that Spencer was going to win at the time. Yeah. And then I'd say blood versus water, and this is as far as we need to go back. I think Tyson at that point was the only winner. I could construct an argument, like, theoretical of how Sierra could win, but it felt like it was fait accompli for Tyson, unless you were worried that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think I was paranoid that it wouldn't happen only because I had such strong rooting interest in Tyson, but it was the writing was clearly on the wall there. Yeah, I mean, like, my Sierra argument was, like, if she can somehow miraculously make it to the end, I think she could win, but I could not see how that would be possible. Uh, so, yeah, like, just running those out, it's like, yeah, two is good. Two is a good number. Now, to be fair to people, and if anybody's been pulling their hair since we introduced this, it's felt like two for a long time, and maybe that's where the problem is. But when I would say the positive note, if you have something to look forward to the finale, is like, now there's some doubt. The past few weeks, there's felt like there's been no doubt. We know that these two are going to carry on. It's just about, you know, jettisoning some flot, Sam. But going into one episode, I think there's real doubt. I think this could be really interesting to find out who it's going to be. Dominic or Wendell. I certainly believe that one has an advantage over the other, but I don't think it's a, like a, like a, a lock. Right. I think, well, let's, let's get into some predictions. Let's the, see how this shakes two. out then. All right, so we'll go from sixth all the way to first, and I will let you pick your sixth place finisher first. All right, I'm going to go with Donathan first to go. I agree. I think well, we, we see that Sebastian has his extra vote. We see in the preview that he's talking to Donathan about maybe even using it. 
I say maybe he actually does use his extra vote against one of them uh, with Donathan and maybe Angela voting with them, maybe not. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Yeah, either Angela doesn't vote for them and that's what messes it up or possibly even more poetic, Laurel warns them and they play their uh, – the, the target plays his idol. <laughs> uh, see, I was thinking that uh, Sebastian thought he was really going to shake up the game and then he'd play the double vote on Donathan. <laughs> Because that would be the kind of stupid thing that I would expect from Sebastian. No, the Remora must become a shark. Sure. Because that's how it works in there Pokemon. Are two types of people in Survivor. Sharks and sheep. He's a sheep. Alright, speaking of which, who do you got at five? Uh, I'm going to go with Angela fifth. Alright, I'm going to go with Sebastian. And I think it's because uh, Dominic and Wendell will be smart enough to try and keep him away from that fire challenge. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, they know about the fire challenge. It was explained to them in pregame. We know that because it was explained to us that it was explained to them in pregame. Well, we saw it on the show. They, I think they showed it in episode one. Oh, there you go. When, they, right. when they're on the mat, I think Probst actually says, hey, just so you know, there's a twist at the end of this season. Yeah, I have some vague memory of that. But yeah, people are wondering, why would they do that? It's because they don't want viewers to be like, you know, again, casual viewers, because obviously internet viewers find these things out. They don't want us to be like, why aren't these idiots thinking of this? We all know about it because, you know, this is going to blow your mind. But a lot of Survivor fans don't recognize that, like, shooting schedules overlap. I mean, there's even, and I'm not even talking about, like, the extra special morons who think it's being recorded live. I just mean they might not, like, realize, like, oh, yeah, they wouldn't have known that because they were on the island at the time. They don't know that they, like, film these seasons back to back in a single location always. Uh, so yeah, that's why I think Sebastian, they just want to keep him from fire making it. And thus at four, I have Angela who will lose fire making to either Dom or Wendell. Okay. then so here's where mine goes off the rails a bit. I'll say four is Wendell. All right. Um, I'm going to say that, you know, maybe Sebastian, Laurel, somebody wins that final immunity. That's not Wendell or Dominic. And, puts Wendell in the fire challenge and he loses. Yeah. What if he like wins, but forgets to like, no, that's not how the fire making challenge is. <laughs> All right. Uh, my third place finisher is my lock of the week. Laurel. The, well, I guess that would be my third place finisher, except that I'm going to have a tie. There you go. Yeah. So you have a tie for second, no third place finisher. Exactly. Um, so my tie is, of course, going to be between Laurel and Sebastian, which means that I think Dominic is going to get all of the votes in that final tribal council. All right. So I have Wendell in second place getting some of the votes, Dominic getting most of the votes. And I'm not saying it's going to be particularly close. And uh, look out for uh, how I break that down, how the jury will respond as we are once again participating in Inside Survivor's uh, fun little game of Jury Jeopardy. This time because I didn't have quite the axe to grind as last season to prove all of the odd Chrissy supporters wrong. Uh, Matt and I uh, put that piece together and we'll probably be running it Monday. All right. So you can look for that on our site as well, purplerockpodcast.com. I think we'll at least link to it. That's something no, I we think would we, do. We will post it on our site and then everybody else will link to us. Oh, is that how it goes? I don't know how these things go, even though I was actually in the discussion about what we were going to do for this. Oh, and of course, you can find out about where this is going to appear by following us on Twitter, which is Purple Rock Pod. Andy is Purple Rock Andy. And if for some reason you are 
interested in. I do have a tweet planned for this week where I'm <gasps> proving someone wrong after six months. I'm very excited about it. Not even related to Survivor. Just I want to prove someone wrong. And the best reason to do anything. Exactly. So if you wanted to hear or see me do that, it's Purple Rock John and anything else, Andy. Play some music. Get the Yeah.